Burn the box, a portal to the world of hidden truths and untapped power. A sanctuary where together we unmask the oppression hidden in the shadows far too long. Unscripted, unplanned, unrehearsed. Stay tuned for powerful conversations, thought-provoking insights as we ignite the sacred rebellion of the global majority. Let's begin this incredible journey together. Welcome to Burn the Box. Your host, Dr. Sonali Deepika. Hello, and welcome to this edition of Burn the Box with the very talented Oceana Sawyer. Oceana is a grief and liberation explorer in the liminal spaces of life and death. And among her very many talents, she is a sensuality educator, which has led to us connecting on many occasions. Our first 15 minutes of this podcast got lost, and so you'll hear us now diving right in, and all of the details for Oceana's work are available in the show notes. Enjoy. All right, we're back. (laughs) Mercury retrograde and this potency in the airwaves when people of color and culture try to connect right, and share something on joyful topics, <sighs> not just doom and gloom and yes. let's center white body supremacy and talk all about that for an hour, which I'm glad there are people who do that. It's just not necessary here. I know. Cause we've created space. We've talked about being in our bodies and working with, what's there so that we can create space. (laughs) Yeah. And it's funny because when we got kicked off a few (laughs) minutes ago, I was just acknowledging you how easy it is to be in conversation with another femme presenting person who is in a body of culture. You would actually feel them in their bodies and what that makes available in terms of how we talk about being embodied, being sensual, being alive, having liberatory experiences. That was too much, I guess, for the internet, but we're going to give it a try again. Here we are. Because (laughs) where I was going was, you know, that post I had up on Instagram a couple of weeks ago. I swear I had just, it was the last draw. I'm watching a, by societal standards, beautiful, biracial, overeducated, femme presenting person talking about the sensuous. And that's as far as I'm going to go with that, because I don't really want to get in a toe to toe with that person. Because it's not, it wasn't just them. They were just the latest yes. example of so many people who talk about the sensuous, who talk about sensuality, like it's going to save us, but talking about it in such an intellectual way, in such a cognitive way. And you can see what they're doing. They're trying their best, which is not a bad idea to reach the dominant culture, the white cisgendered Mm -hmm. male part of the dominant culture, Mm -hmm. uh, or maybe bypass the salacious ness 
of cisgendered men, when you talk, start talking about sensuality, they go to objectifying femme presenting yes. black and brown bodies immediately, the exotification yes. of us. So you could see that yes. they're working in that conversation as they're talking about the sensuous. Yes. And even though they're talking about the sensuous in terms of the senses, you still, mm -hmm. we live in this culture that has long, hundreds of years of history around the senses, anything that feels good is suspicious. Yes. That mode of addressing that, I feel like, again, I'm glad there are people who do that because, and they can do it far better than I, but on the other hand, I feel like that conversation is so important for us and how we're going to make our way through these times. Yes. So to have this access to what feels good in our bodies and how do we access what feels good and use that as fuel for our journeys forward. Mm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. this is what I love. <laughs> that, mm. This is what I love about connecting with you. And we've had so many discussions around this, but to me also, it's such a bigger topic. And I appreciate your reflection of, oh, I like to sit with you if you feel embodied, because I was not embodied for, by far most of my life. It was very intellectual and any understanding of the body was very intellectual. Yeah. Like studies I'd done, things I'd done, even different practices, you know, with like meditation, yoga, those kinds of things. It wasn't until like these last few years, maybe six years ago, where I gave myself like that permission to really dive into sensual, the erotic but and in doing so, connecting to the body and accessing what I've been thinking about lately, what lights me up is this idea of our life force energy, like connecting to that, mm -hmm. which to me of this whole idea of burning boxes, like it goes far beyond the erotic or what do we look like or what are we even like whatever it is, sexual techniques and all, all of that and not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's like a larger perspective, I think. You just brought in the erotic, which, as you say, is such a bigger feel than how we generally talk about it. You even alluded to how you look and all this, and that is such a superficial, in my mind, playground of the erotic when it is so much bigger and deeper and richer to go in the direction of Audre Lorde, how the erotic is really just what brings life, what is primal, primordial, at the ground of being life. And people in femme bodies, all bodies have access to this, but I think there's a particular way that having a womb space it's like a, a dark, primordial place to settle into in this conversation about what is the erotic. All kinds of bodies have access to this. You don't have to have a womb 
to to have it, mm-hmm. to have access. But I'm just noticing because I have one. So that's a, a place that I can sink into right. uh, easily. So I'll just leave it at that. I've got one of those. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to sink in there like right now. Then the sinking into that primordial womb space, hanging out there, because I can do that at will. And that's the thing I, I really want to talk with us about is this is available at will. You don't need special baths or candles or crystals. It is available at will. I'm having it right now. Mm -hmm. And that's all that there is to do. From there, you can do whatever you want from there. So from here, yeah. I'm just going to continue relating with you and see what bubbles up because I'm in the right. zone. And already I can see my lips are redder. My cheeks are redder. I have that look that makeup is trying to reproduce, but I'm <laughs> just having it naturally because I'm uh, in that zone. Yes. And that's yes. the zone everybody wants to be in. That because it's where yes. life starts. It's where life is, Mm. where life is happening. Now, here's the thing. Mm. I'm not going to deny it. It's also very scary Mm. because we all know we have lifetimes of stories Mm. about what happens to us when we're walking down the street, feeling away, feeling good, and we get grabbed. We get attacked. Violence ensues. And so we learn from our mothers, we learn from our sisters, we learn from the media to Mm -hmm. close that down. Mm -hmm. But I'm just here with you. Mm -hmm. And anybody who's listening, if you're in a a safe place, just go, come here, come here with us. Come and sit in this place just for this time. You don't have to be out in the world being all turned on and in your life force energy. But right here, if you're in a safe place, just come here. Come with us. Settle in. Settle into this pool of juicy aliveness. Because this Mm. is the source of creativity, of wisdom. This conversation just changed. The trajectory of this conversation just changed because I settled in. And then you, Sonali, settled in with me. And now we are together. Us, we have practiced this. This is like Mm -hmm. Dharma. This Mm -hmm. is not something we just thought of and just, okay, Mm -hmm. we can just go there. This is a practice Mm -hmm. we have trained. We have researched. We are in this zone because we have been in this zone many times and it's familiar and we can go there. And so we are here together and anything is possible from here. And anybody who's listening or watching, you can come too. You come to the extent that you can also know what's available is more. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you from my point of view, and I know it's true for Sonali, <laughs> even this is just a fraction yeah. of where we have been or we can go. So we're just sitting here in this sort of very alive, 
juicy, I will say turned on, Mm -hmm. connected to the erotic. And in this place, we start to imagine what's possible for us. And you're here with us too, imagining what becomes possible from here. And I just feel like for me now in this conversation is what does liberation look like from here? What would it, to use the sensual, right? What would it taste like? What would it smell like? What would we see? What would we touch? And here I want to say part of this inquiry also is a, I want to make a case for being deliberate. Yeah, I dropped in, we dropped into the zone, but in, I had deliberately created a space for it to happen. And how did I do that? I put on not just any old piece of clothing, I put on velvet. Why did I put on velvet? Because you know what? Velvet feels good to the touch. Oh, yes. It feels good to my skin, even on the the inside of it. This this garment hanging on me, to my skin, it's giving me pleasure to wear it. It's reinforcing this idea that pleasure is available as I'm having it in just Mm -hmm. this garment. I'm sipping Mm -hmm. on a coffee that I made earlier and reheated because sipping it tastes so good. And one of the reasons it tastes so good, by the way, this is some local Ethiopian coffee. Some folks came over from Ethiopia. They were drinking this Seattle-based roasted coffee. And like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is not real coffee. Let us go back to the motherland, get some beans. And roast it the way it's supposed to be roasted. And then, you know, nice. yeah, the coffee is supposed to taste. And that's the coffee yes. I'm drinking, okay? I got a candle lit. Mm-hmm. I'm really grooving on your background, your hair, your smile, your skin, <laughs> my head wrap. My, there's all these yes. visual cues around what can feel good. And then from here, what do we imagine about our liberation? And I can tell you one thing that I feel right now that's bubbling up and it came out Mm -hmm. of our training with Resma is spaciousness, like the pause. That's one thing about living a sensual life is you understand that there's no place to get to. If you're trying to do the sexual thing where you're going for the big orgasm or the big splash that's an efforting, you have a goal, and you're just trying to get someplace. But in a sensual realm, there's no place to get to because it's all mm-hmm. happening right here, right now. Because mm-hmm. we say so. It's all mm-hmm. happening. So that spaciousness, that field of spaciousness that would come up whenever, like Resma would say, you know, pause. Yeah. Because it's getting very intense Mm -hmm. it's getting alive it's getting whoa Mm -hmm. something's happening and Mm -hmm. that pause is a way to just really feel into and have the moment Mm -hmm. let the moment inform you about what wants to happen from here what is emerging and maybe that's it it's like what the dropping in, the settling in to the body into a sensual, spacious field allows is 
for you to actually see what wants to emerge. The next life-enhancing, life-fulfilling, life-affirming thing, what wants to happen next. Because that's just the universe. Now I'm going to go back to the deep time story that we were talking about before we got kicked off, which is that's one reason why I like locating us in the deep time story. Yeah. Because the universe is a very big and vast place and it's happening right here through us Mm -hmm. right now in this conversation through you, whoever is listening, the universe is already unfolding through you, through this moment that we are all Mm -hmm. in together. And all there really is to do is to notice it. And if you notice it, then you can be a part of directing it, but noticing where it's going and and where you are Mm -hmm. in that flow. Mm -hmm. The way that you direct it is just simply with your attention. Mm -hmm. I think attention is a powerful thing. Absolutely. And of course, attention involves all of your senses. So attention is a very sensual act. Yes. And I think we just don't use it as well as we can. And it's infinite, Mm -hmm. just like the universe. So yeah, I think that this sort of just being with a moment, being with the universe unfolding through our black and brown bodies, being in the slowness and the spaciousness that is already there. I think urgency is just white supremacist capitalism takes us out of what is actually happening, which is the slow unfolding and we can add our attention we can add our deliberateness and we can start to create our liberatory lives a liberated life that if i'm honest like in this place we dropped into it's it's having my hands in the earth it's paying attention to what is alive and enlivening and supporting life, and maybe not so much attention on the stuff that is deadening and contracting and pushing down life and opposed Mm -hmm. to life, because that's just going to be there. Mm -hmm. We can choose where we have our attention. Patricia Hersey talks about that all the time. That's practically in at the bottom of all of her messages, which is around take your attention back from grind culture. Our people did not sacrifice and labor and work so hard for you and I to get to these places in order for us to continue the game of suffering. That's not what my mother meant for me. I know that's (laughs) not what yours meant for you. So what did they intend? Let me talk about my mother for just a minute. If she's on the other side, she's still with me. But one of the things I saw unfold in our relationship over time was I could see that she had these pictures about what a successful black woman would look like. And you, I know you have the same pictures, right? Lawyer, doctor. <laughs> I was supposed to be a lawyer Absolutely. and a senator, have my name or have my name on some corporate nameplate on a door corner office or something. <laughs> and I tried to go down those rows. These rows. We went down these rows. Yes. Both yes. of us. Yes. And we saw where they led. 
And <laughs> it was almost like, Mom, I see what you want from me. And I can't get it there. I know you don't get that, understand that right now, but I'm just going to do this thing over here. I'm going to do me. <laughs> and fortunately, my mother had enough grace and wherewithal. She did not stop bugging me about, how come you don't have a job? And how come, maybe you should go back to school. She did not stop bugging me about those things, but she did always give me space to say, no, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. And she would go, mm -hmm. all right, we'll see how it turns out. And when it turned out, she was like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. And over time, I had enough successes with the path I had chosen. Successes by her standards, which were, I wasn't starving. Right. I was reasonably actually well off. Um, and, success, and success by my standards, which was how happy and content and in my body mm -hmm. and present am I. And having the wealth of relationships. Those are my standards for success. By both of our standards towards the end of her life, we could both agree that this actually turned out. This is working. This is here. Take all my money mm -hmm. and continue on. And mm -hmm. it's like, again, going back to my mother, she herself was given these very narrow she was getting very specific pictures of what success looked like. Yeah. And of course she would want her children to follow. Those are the pictures she had. Those are the pictures she passed on. But I think our parents and our ancestors, I know the ancestors were like, okay, yeah. Because when my mother died, they said to me, oh, you're not supposed to follow in your mother's footsteps, right? Your job is to carry us forward. And that's a very mm -hmm. different thing in someone's footsteps. And I think yeah. our ancestors and the generations behind and forward understand that for each of us is to manifest a dream of aliveness, mm. of mm. abundance. That is at the bottom what any of the people in our lineages would want for mm -hmm. the next generation. It's mm -hmm. why you create the next generation. The creating the generation mm -hmm. is actually a granting or a claiming of hope mm -hmm. that it will be better. And I'm contributing the person, the being, the juice, the aliveness that will perhaps make it better. And you can't know what the better is until it manifests itself. So I think that's what there is in this like zone we have dropped into <laughs> where it's just grooving in the life <laughs> in the juice of turn on is <laughs> what is the thing that's going to feel the best next? Mm -hmm. What is the next mm -hmm. most yummy alive thing that wants to manifest in the, even in this moment? that wants to come and just usher that in. And I don't think, of course, it's not a path for everyone. And I do think you can do both. I feel like part of the work I'm doing living here on the ground on the Olympic Peninsula in Washington, after spending two, three years virtually, a little bit disembodied, <laughs> but coming back into the body, with all these practices, but now I live among people and I've been mm. vaccinated many times and 
I even had my very mild bout of COVID. But I live among people and I live on the ground. I live on the earth now. And I feel like part of my spot, because we all have our spots to play, one of my spots is to be the visionary, is to be the dreamer. And also do the work, like right now, we're trying to figure out how to feed ourselves. <laughs> Because in 2020, the white folks was like, oh, reparations, let us give you food from our farm. All this food was coming. And now in 23, it's, oh, we're done with that. <laughs> so oh, we're going to go back to the, oh, okay. So this year we're finding out that these free CSA boxes we were getting are not going to be so full this year. And so now there's a scramble around how are we going to feed ourselves, feeding mm. water. Us black and mm-hmm. now the white folks are done with reparations. <laughs> okay. Oh, Honestly, who, who did not see that coming? That's just, <laughs> I wasn't here in 2020. I was not living in this particular place and you could just see that coming. Mm-hmm. But another one of my kin, Velda, said she called a, a gathering. She said, okay, we're not going to get the same amount of food this year in the boxes because the money, funding got cut or whatever. That's fine. We're going to get together and figure it out. Let's create something new, or at least new here. And that's another kin in my space, right? Mm. Who is deeply embodied, who does watsu and body work, right? I had a whole journey back to the Atlantic Ocean in the pool, the watsu pool with this one uh, a couple of months ago. So I know all about the power of them. But the same mm-hmm. being, the same person said, well, let's get together and think of some other way. And out of that has come community gardens. Out of the juiciness of our aliveness and our refusal to play in white-bodied supremacy, we have created a structure in which we all are feeding ourselves in our gardens. We are feeding one another through our gardens. And some of us are gardening for the first time. Raise beds. Okay, I can grow something. But it's growing strawberries for everybody. And we're growing collards and kale, apparently. (laughs) Oh, wow. So different people are growing different things. And we're feeding ourselves out of this creativity that comes from a willing to spend time in dark womb space, dark spaces in any bodies, because it wasn't just femme bodies who were at that gathering. There were male bodies too. But we all like to drop, some of us more than others. You just drop into a zone and just see what's possible. It's like you figure out physically on the ground a way to feed yourself, but you're also visioning. The way that vision for collective gardens could even have a space to live in is because Myself and maybe a couple other people had already imagined. Wouldn't it be great if we had our own sovereign community that was self-sustaining, self-determining for us, by us, about us, and the surrounding white community could come and play, help if they act right, (laughs) they can come play, (laughs) but we don't need that. We don't need you. We yes. are doing this out of our own mm-hmm. blindness. 
that imagination, that will to gather, that way of generating new solutions, that comes out of a body, a person who's already spent time cultivating their aliveness, their embodied aliveness. I know that about Mm -hmm. Velda. I know that about you. I know that about me. And these are the people that I play with because together we can create more aliveness among our people. And maybe it arise in a way that, ooh, can we really do that? Because I can see the folks in the town going, can we really do that? I don't know. It's going to go along with it. But that's okay. (laughs) There's enough people who can see that it's possible. Mm -hmm. And that's enough. Oh, thank you for sharing all that. As I felt really dropped in with you, I was feeling into that womb space and the possibilities and the process of expansion and contraction, which is just something I've been recently even like, wow, we like the expansiveness when we get into a contracted heart or of what we're trying to birth, they're just being with because the expansiveness comes again from that. It's really yeah. I liked how you named both because that's the discernment and the maturity to know that it's not going to be all expanse, expanded consciousness, expand, mm-hmm. expand, using it and all that. It, it can be. Yeah. Um, but mm-hmm. even in the process of that kind of expansion of life, of sensation, of pleasure, there's always going to be like a natural ebb and flow. And then the game becomes how much time you spend in the ebb, how much time you spend in the contraction versus how much time you spend in the expansion and the flow. Because there's going to be both. You need to have that. The universe itself is always, it's seeking to generate. It moves towards what it's attracted to, what's going to create more life something more light emerges and there's more and more. And then there's a course correction that's homeostasis. You have to have that. And the, actually before there's more and more, there's like a, some kind of cataclysmic event, right? There's a contraction and that's the homeostasis. It seeks to, because it's, it's not just a matter of creating, generating, feeling more. At some point you want to stabilize that, like really have that lean into it and, experience it and slow it down, have the pause, which can look cataclysmic. Oh, something broke down like the internet, but it wasn't (laughs) that because what that generated, that cataclysm, that, that breakdown, that contraction was, it enabled us to start where we just like where we left off (laughs) because we included that as part of the flow. We included that contraction. Okay, that happens. Virtually retrograde, okay? And now we just pick up where we left off and go on. Nothing bad has happened. It was just a contraction. And that happens Mm -hmm. like all the time. Mm -hmm. And the trick becomes if you can be with the contraction and then just pick up where you left off and go for more. That's all there is. That's all Mm -hmm. the universe is doing. That's all anybody Mm -hmm. could do. 
is to pick up where you left off. That's just mm -hmm. how you have an ever-increasingly pleasurable experience in a moment in a life. Is you take a pause, you stop, you have a sip of water, and then you go back to where you were, and you yes. just go for more. That's all. Yes. You just go higher. Yes. You know, I think that to acknowledge the contractions is like, is been so precious or so generative in the work in somatic abolitionism mm -hmm. is that you use those moments of contraction as fuel because it's just energy. It's just energy yes. now that's bound up. Oh my God. They said that. Oh my God. That happened. Oh my God. So that's just life energy in the form yes. of excitement because you made a value judgment about what happened. And don't get me wrong. Real shit goes down. <laughs> and, uh, right. and then you have whatever value judgment you have about it, that's fine. It's just energy you could then do this Aikido move with if you metabolize it with all the mm -hmm. toys that we have. That's just energy then that gets freed up to use for your life. Generativity. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I think that's like I've read, I don't know, I wish I could remember who said this, but I have read someone recently who said, what is liberation to them? Their definition of liberation was the ability or the capacity or the wherewithal to create whatever it is you wanted to create freely, to have the freedom to create. You can see in that definition that they're making a distinction about people who are enslaved, who don't have the agency to create whatever it is they want to create versus people who are not enslaved or people who are free who can create that. That's one of the things about how so many of us who have been colonized or enslaved, or if you're in a femme body, just perpetually dominated by patriarchy, there's a story around all the limitations that have been placed on us. And again, I'm not doing a bypass here. Those limitations are real. Yes. Like with the food situation here, it's not that you go into fantasy thinking about, well, I'm just not going to spend any time on the food situation. I'm just going to act like I have plenty of food. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is to notice it, to be with it well enough, but you don't have to spend the rest of your life there. You're just going to but you have to really be with it. Yeah. It's like what we say, it's like you don't want to bypass a moment of activation. You want to be with it though well enough that you metabolize it so you, it becomes something that you can use. It goes from yeah. dirty pain and becomes mm -hmm. clean pain. So it heals mm -hmm. you and fuels you. But you mm -hmm. do have to be with it. Yeah. And I'm going to go back to what I said before, which is it, then it becomes just a matter of how much time. Because this is one of the things I read in my grandmother's hands is there is a point at which you are fixated on what's wrong. And if you've gone beyond the healing and the metabolization, now you are just stuck. There is that place too. You're just in a familiar story. You're just stuck in the, yeah. the wrongness and the badness of it. That's the discernment. That's the place where you start, you have to practice how yes. much time, when do you start to notice in your body that, oh, something just shifted here. So to notice those shifts in the body and be able to then flow with those shifts, that mm -hmm. takes 
practice and discernment. And that takes spending enough time, I would say, in your aliveness, in a body that feels good to know the difference between what actually feels good. Not because you're it's supposed to, you're wearing the right clothes or you're having the right moment, you're out in the right club and the right music. No, but it actually does feel good in your body. You know yeah. that. You can mm-hmm. feel that mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you can have that at will. Mm-hmm. You're having it. Mm-hmm. You could be having it right now like we are yes. <laughs> because you decide. So having that discernment, having that intimate knowledge of what actually feels good in your body allows you to know when something, an elicitation and an activation around white supremacy or patriarchy has come into your field and it's got you contracted, but you rock, you hum, you drop in, you resource yourself with the joy and the pleasure that's available you get some knowledge, you be with long enough, and then you feel the shift in your body. You feel that contraction open up, loosen up, and you name that. And now you have, as we've been saying over and over, now you have information. <laughs> you have possibly even inspiration. You can hear the ancestors. You can remember a passage you read in a book. You can remember somebody mm-hmm. who podcast, you know. Mm-hmm. And you go, oh, yeah, yeah. that thing. I could do that. <laughs> yeah. And maybe you have spaciousness, like you mentioned earlier, or maybe you have expansion, like we were talking about. I, I appreciate the attention to the contraction. I think there's a tendency, and I've experienced it from, for me, of wanting to resist that contraction. And that tends to make it much more than it actually is, rather than having the discernment, leaning in and allowing it to metabolize shit, move through it and get back into what feels really good. Yeah. Well, we all have the same conditioning <laughs> to go the opposite direction, <laughs> to reach for yes. the easy fixes, more potato chips, more chocolate, yeah. <laughs> binge watch some Netflix. <laughs> Oh, yes. (laughs) Not wrong or bad in and of itself. It just takes practice, that leaning in, don't you think? Mm -hmm. It just. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. You can't know until you've actually had the experience of it shifting. And you have to have that many times before you trust it. Now, the first couple of times you think, okay, that was a fluke. Okay, I got out of that. Okay, that turned (laughs) out. But maybe next time, I don't know. So you have to have Mm -hmm. that experience of dropping in, being contracted, turning a contraction Mm -hmm. around into expansion. Mm -hmm. Many, or, well, I don't know, many times or a few times, depends on you. Enough times that you get it. Like, oh, okay, I got it. It's like when I was training in sensuality, it wasn't like I had a couple of sessions and knew that, okay, I can be in a state of orgasm whenever I choose. Mm-hmm. Like, I kept hearing that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, that's great. If, you know, someday somebody will do that or I, I will do that. And, you know, I had that experience a couple of times. But it wasn't until I had that experience, like, 
dozens of times that I really got that, oh, mm-hmm. I can do that. Actually available to me mm-hmm. easily. Well, it's like uh, what Trisha Hersey says. It's a love practice, this resting as reparations, this resting, this reason, this liberatory practice of resting self, not self care, but just really taking the space for your nervous system, for your body to heal, regenerate and dream new futures. Mm. That is a practice that you have to spend time in over and over. It takes discipline and you don't get there overnight. You just got to stay in it. And it takes the time it takes. I'm not even going to say how much time it takes for myself or for you or anybody. It just takes the time it takes. But that's not bad either. I mean, that there's grace in that pursuit. Mm-hmm. Of getting the reps in, that's what it says. Mm-hmm. You know, it's even yes. like using the, the the toys that the somatic um, abolitionist toys that he yes. gave us. You can right. the first few times you confront a racial bit of trauma and do the vimbasi, do the rocking mm-hmm. through the humming, do the mm-hmm. wind thing with other people in a dryad. The first few times you do it, it feels awkward. You, you don't know mm-hmm. if anything really happened. Did that mm-hmm. work? But then over time, you notice, actually, I do feel better. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've got a, a bounce in my step. I can think <laughs> some things now. I can remember some stuff my people told me. I can feel joy. I can dance. Yes. I can get creative. I can innovate it. But the first few times you do, I remember the first six months I was in that work, I was just going, I feel like I was just going through the motions. I hope this stuff is working. Maybe it is. And then all of a sudden you just, I remember the moment when I noticed, do have more space to be with white body supremacy. I do have more space to be with the joy of my kin. I do have more agency to choose. Yeah, you know what? I'm not going into that meeting. I'm not going to go. I know how that's going to turn. I'm not going there. Somebody, other people can go there. I'm choosing life. I'm choosing me. But that took time. And that was a practice. And But even that journey was delightful. It itself was delightful. The time I spent with my first triad is still sacred space. And even the hard times I had with other succeeding triads, those were all spaces that I grew and they were hard in the moment. But even those I knew that's hard be- for a reason, mm-hmm. like a particularly deep, embedded, chargey piece here. I'm working on this horizontal Absolutely. among us. Absolutely. Yes. And it has a lot yes. of heat. Yes. It's going to be like that. It's not all going to be rainbows. Yes. Hello. Oh, oh no. our joy is so wonderful. We feel so good. No, I like that. Sometimes you have to be in the harder places to work the deeper, harder stuff. Yeah. But each one of those Mm. parts of the journey where you got, you met it, you went through it, and you got to the other side. Oh, the glory of that. It's just, there's nothing like it, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling that, you know, what you were talking of before about attention and discernment and practice is a big so we can know what this is so we can get to understand oh this is something that's showing up and there's going to be the other side of it allows for more spaciousness and freedom liberation 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think that people think they're going to get stuck there. Yes. Yes. And sometimes, I know I have spent way longer in a piece of work than I had wanted to. And it was many days and weeks of yeah discomfort. And whenever I felt that stuckness, I would recognize my feeling like, oh, I'm stuck, as a reason to go lean in harder, lean in deeper, drop deeper. Yes. People think that they're going to go too far and they're going to be a point of no return. That could happen. But my experience with myself and with others is mostly people go only as far as they can go anyway. That's right. If you're going there, that is where you can go. <laughs> you are yeah. prima facie. You're there. So that mm-hmm. must be where you can go because you are there. And so that means you have the capacity to go there. You have the capacity to get out. And you might need help. And while you're there, you might figure out what is the help that you need. And you will get it. That's right. And then you will go on. So, yeah. I just had this thought. I don't even know if I want to go there. But I feel like okay. even if where you go is... You kill yourself. That is where you were meant to go. That is your journey. That is your life path. And to avoid those dark places is to avoid what was meant for you in this life. And you can do that. And we all know what it looks like when we avoid the hard places. It looks like this life that's numb... Oh, it's just like drifting through it aimlessly, yeah. avoiding more bad, yeah. avoiding more stuckness. We're mm. hovering. It's that real feeling mm. of just like hovering through life, not really touching mm-hmm. down into anything. No. We're staying afloat. And that staying yeah. afloat is just that. You are just yeah. afloat. But yeah. if you drop down below the surface. If you let yourself fall, you let yourself drown, you can touch bottom. And when you touch the bottom, you have something then solid to kick yourself back up. But until you get to the bottom, you don't have anything hard enough to push yourself back up with. So you're just Mm. hovering at the surface. My experience having grown up around the pool, I would jump into the deep end. And the first thing I would do was like swim as fast as I could to the bottom because I knew once I got to the bottom, I could push myself back up fast, faster than if I got afraid and turned around and started trying to swim back up to the surface to get that air. Yeah. So that takes longer and it takes more effort. If I could just trust my air supply long mm-hmm. enough or have enough faith that I could get to the bottom and then push myself back up and then I would arrive mm-hmm. back at the surface with the capacity to take the next breath of air. That is an a, a knowing, that is a skill that takes practice. Mm-hmm. You might try that a few times and be like you barely got to the surface in enough time to take that breath. 
but that's okay. You still made it. That counts. Yeah. It's a different experience than just hovering on the surface in your Mm. floaty toy. Yes. (laughs) Yes. It's a much more alive experience. Yeah. I had a teacher who said, the truth is, the moments when we're the most alive are the moments when we're facing death, the possibility mm. of not alive. Not that I'm asking yep. for people to do extreme things, but it is one idea that gives a little permission to stretch yourself, mm-hmm. try, push your boundaries to go mm-hmm. further than you imagine that you could go. And to be embodied, right? be in our bodies, experiencing mm-hmm. the full range of what's available to us, what's there. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that moment of wherever you're playing at your edges, you know, at yeah. the edge of what you think is your capacity, that's a moment yeah. of aliveness. That's yes. a moment of yes, where you're exceeding a previous boundary. That's how you grow. That is just literally the definition of growth is reaching a boundary and then going a little bit further and, or not. Mm -hmm. It's perfectly fine too, Mm -hmm. to play at the the edge. Maybe you're one of those people that's always Mm -hmm. pushing, going further and further. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but that's fine too. Mm -hmm. But maybe what your edge in that moment is to just be with the edge, just hang out. Yeah. Yeah. And using your attention to just really feel what's it like to be in this moment of tension. That's also Mm -hmm. a way to expand your capacity to experience the world. Oh, thank you so much. This is always so good. Like I said earlier, the super sensual succulents (laughs) I was experiencing. Before we even dropped into this conversation, I appreciate you so much. I wonder if there's anything you want to share about where people can find your work, delve more into your world and your words. (laughs) I have the book, Life, Death, Grief, and the Possibility of Pleasure, which if you Google that, or there'll be links in the show notes about where to buy it. I never send anybody to Amazon. There, you can buy it from me. You can buy it from an independent bookstore. But yeah, there'll be links. And I don't have any public offerings coming up. All my work now pretty much happens in the Rooted Global Village, yes. which you've been on the wait list for that. And from time to time, that opens up the Rooted Global Villages. The co-founders of that group is Corrine Bell coming out of the somatic abolitionism or one of the, the spaces that we met her in. Yes. So that's a, a very much a live playground I enjoy. Mm, yeah. I, yeah, that deep time study with African diasporic bodies that's happening in that space. Yeah. Mm, oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Always fun. <laughs> it's always so good. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Burn the Box movement.